Man, that's a good one. That's a really good one. I want to say welcome, everybody. So glad you're here at church with us this morning. Whether you're gathered here live or in person, or even if you're tuning in online, I want to say welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Matt. My wife, Amber, and I are the pastors here at the church, and, uh, and I'd love to get to meet you if this is the first time you're here in building. There is a little connect corner in the lobby. I'll be hanging out there afterwards. We can shake hands, fist bump, whatever you're comfortable with. And uh, so I got a couple quick announcements this morning. The first one is this, is that um, we actually have something coming up called our Leadership Summit. Our Leadership Summit. I'm actually pretty excited about this. A few years ago, we started doing something similar within our staff and within our leadership teams. And then last year, because of pandemic reasons, we couldn't go um, get away at like a little retreat center. So we did it in-house and we actually invited a bunch of other leaders to join us. And it was such a huge success. We decided we're going to do that again this year, but we're actually expanding it even another notch. And so put the dates on your calendar. Um, We want you to be there if you are a leader in the church or if you are a leader in the world and out in business or, or you just want to be a leader and you want to learn some good leadership skills, I'll tell you what, I think leadership is a thing that that we all have the potential to be in. And so we want to take the time to invest in leadership, in your leadership personally, and in the leadership of the church. Um, We have a guest coming to help us with that. And um, some of you guys know my brother, but my brother is a director of leadership development for a Fortune 100 company, so he knows a few things about developing leaders. Uh, that's what he does professionally. And so he's actually going to come and help and be part of this and, and teaching some leadership stuff. And so I just welcome you to come. And, and um, we do need a headcount, so there will be a registration available. I think it's on the website right now. There's a leadership we- uh, registration. Um, it is free. It is a free event. Um, however, we want to make sure we have enough resources for everybody, um, including snacks and food and, and tables and chairs, and make sure we have everything set up. So do us a favor, just let us know if you're coming. That way we make sure we have enough supplies and stuff ready to go. Um, If you are visiting with us, um, I want to welcome you. I'm so glad that you're here. You can um, say hi by just texting guest into our office number. We like to make new friends. And so if you're like, hey, I want to make a new friend too, you can text in. Um, That should be up on the screen in a minute guest into the office number. And so, um, and then also our tithes and offerings can go the same way. Um, you can text give into the same office number if you want to do electronic giving. Uh, and so um, let's pray over the tithes and offerings. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to um, be good stewards of the resources you've given us. God, as, as uh, we return the tithes to the house of the Lord, God, I ask that those finances would have exponential impact everywhere that they go. God, may lives be changed. Then it not to be dollars, but let lives be changed because of what we're doing here uh, through our church. And Jesus, Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, man. All right. It's February. <coughs> you know Valentine's Day is coming, right? Fair warning, all the men. You have a little bit of time. Not, not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow is Valentine's Day, so you don't want to forget that. Um, so I'm actually starting off a series on relationships, a series on relationships. I like to preach on marriage and relationships. And so I, this is like one of my most favorite topics to talk about. And, and part of it is, is because re- marriage and relationships are fun, and, and there's, there's ups and downs in them. And, um, and now that Amber and I have been married for 20 years, um, we've learned a thing or two. And, uh, and, so, and then we've watched other people go through things, and we've learned from them as well. But first, the most important part of the sermon, why should you never break up with a goalie? Because he's a keeper. I, uh, I, got, I got more? Okay, we're going to more. Okay, what do you call two birds in love? Tweet hearts. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, we'll go some more? Okay, one more, and then we'll call it quits because I don't want to wear you out. What did the paper clip say to the magnet? I find you very attractive. <clears throat> and they go downhill from there, really. 
So the best part is this. If you're single and you're like, oh man, great, a, mar- a series on marriage, I'm single. What does this have anything to do with me? I got a couple of tips for you right off the bat. If you're single, I got some church pickup lines. Stuff you can use in the church to help pick up on somebody. You're like, hey, yeah, so all right, here we go. This is what you got. Okay, uh, you go, hey, I've been studying Joshua and the walls of Jericho. If I walk around you seven times, will you fall for me? Yeah, yeah, that's a good one, right? Yeah, yeah, all right, all right. Girl, are you made of water? Because Jesus made you fine. I know. All right, this topic is so important because 54% of marriages end in divorce, right? They end in divorce. 54% of marriages end in divorce in our country, right? Which means we are, do not, as a culture, have a great track record on marriage, Think about it. If 54% of other things happened, we would make drastic changes to what we were doing. We would. If 54% of humanity died from bear attacks, we would be changing some stuff. If 54% of us died in car accidents or just got in a car accident, well, we would be changing some stuff. That might be why they put in stoplights and speed limits and stuff like that. So what if... What if other things, right? I want to tell you this. I think that what we're doing as a culture in, in the United States isn't working in regards to marriage. And I, and I thought to myself, well, that's because at no, these people aren't saved. 54%, that must be like non-Christian people. The stats between church and non-church, Christian and non-Christian are exactly the same. Exactly the same. There's no difference. So I'm like, well, wait a minute. Does that mean, looking around my church on a Sunday morning, half of these marriages that are in the room will end in divorce? I hope not. I hope not. But statistically speaking, there's a lot of marriages that will end in divorce, and I don't want that. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for your spouse. I don't want that for your kids or your family. Is a great marriage possible? Absolutely. Yes, a great marriage is possible. So today, I want to talk to you about this idea about priorities, about priorities. Here's one of the things that we see in Scripture that applies to your marriage that can help you have a better marriage. If you're a single person, please be taking notes. Please understand that there will be a day where you will need to apply that, and it might be sooner than you think. I'm not prophesying. I'm just saying. You're in church. We're talking about love. It might happen. It might happen. All the single people, you stand up. We're gonna. No, I'm kidding. Matchmaking right here, right in the service. Yeah, who's got it? Who's got it? All right, all right. Here's what happens. There's a myth that people buy into in this world about relationships. Here's what it is. If I find the right person, everything will be okay. If I find the right person, then everything will be all right. How do we get that idea? Because we watch movies and we watch TV shows and we've got Jerry Maguire and like, you complete me and you had me at hello and you're like, oh, I just need the right person to say hello and then everything's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna be just fine. When I meet the right person, everything will be all right. 
We have all these people growing up watching TV and TV shows and the women are like, I th- I'm not just going to be a princess. I'm going to meet my prince charming. And all these guys are going to be like, yeah, I'm going to get a white horse and go find me a princess. You know, and they, we've got this whole dynamic of what's being built in our culture from pop culture and it isn't true. It isn't true. So how do the right people know when they've met the right people? Huh, how do I know if I've met the right person? Chemistry. We just talk for hours. We just talk for hours. Sometimes all I think about is you. Late nights in the middle of June. You know, it's hours, hours, right? We just, oh, it's just so amazing. And then what? Then what do you got to do? We got to test drive the car, right? I mean, you wouldn't buy a car without test driving it. And so the next progression is now these guys, people are starting sleeping together because we got to figure out, you know, do the parts work? Does everything work on that front as well? Well, come on. You guys are all acting holy like, uh, yeah. And this this is what the belief happens. Nobody has ever loved like we've loved. Our love is so special and rare and unique and uh, no. And you work on the chemistry, but you don't work on the relationship. And you ride on the feelings, but you don't build the structure. Come on, I'm talking to the right people and I know I am. And if you get married and all you have is the chemistry, we don't have to work on the relationship. I mean, I don't need to have patience because they're never going to do anything that would cause me to need to have patience. (laughs) Every newlywed in the room is like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, if you're married for a few years, you're like, yeah, you're going to work on that patience, aren't you? And they get married, right? And, and then, then they don't have chemistry problems. When you get married and start having marriage problems, they're not chemistry problems, they're relationship problems. And if you build your, your entire marriage on chemistry, it's fun in the beginning. And, and things are like spicy and exciting. And, and then you kind of settle into the rhythms of life and you realize that although the icing on the cake looked good, the cake itself has some problems. And there were some issues that we're dealing with. They don't have chemistry problems, they have relationship problems. And, but I thought love would keep us alive. All you need is love, right? Love will do it. But, but what happens is love that you're describing in that sentence, that, that kind of love is really an emotional feely love, which is necessary. But can I let you in on a secret? That kind of emotional feely love is an output of something else that you do for the input. My dad used to say this, time, words, and actions. Time, words, and actions. Your time, your words, and your actions are the seeds that you sow in order to have a thriving relationship. What are you planting with your time, your words, and your actions? We thought love would keep us alive, but then there's, kind of, there's trouble in the marriage. What do we do? Things were, were drifting apart. I don't have those warm, fuzzy feelings all the time. How am I, how am I supposed to stay married? What's going on? Chemistry suffers. The, the guys, they get confused and they think, well, sex got us into this. Sex can get us through this too. So we're going to have more sex. That's what we're going to do. And these are, and, but then it's not the same, right? And it's like things are kind of weird. And, 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 and it's and like, well, now what? And the very thing that got them started is the very thing that's, that, that starts to die off. And they're like, what's happening? This isn't the same. And then somebody gets an idea. You know what would really help us draw closer together is if we had a baby. <laughs> Let's bring another life into this dysfunction. 
This will be awesome. I can't wait. <laughs> and things level up yet again. As unique as you think you are and as special as you think your relationship is, I want to tell you, you're not that different from everyone else. And you can learn a thing or two from the people that are around you that have successful, thriving marriages. You can also learn a thing or two from the Bible. So the, Bible, so the baby comes. But first, man, your wife is pregnant. That smoking hot body has now been invaded by another body. There is a human inside of a human, which seems so wrong. It seems so wrong. And let's be honest, her moods are a little bit unusual. They've changed a little. Your relationship is rocky. The chemistry is all off. The baby comes, and then your life is turned upside down. The wife, she's, she's tired of this crying baby. The husband's grumpy. He leaves an unfair amount of work for her around the house, and all she can think about is how she can de defenestrate him out the window. One day, where are you? You're at work. You're at the gym. You're hanging out with friends. The frustration inside is built up. And you look up, and what do you see? You see the right person. Maybe it's that old fling from high school. You forget about the 90% of the bad, and all you can remember is the 10% of the good. The chemistry starts flowing, things start happening, the time, words, and actions start to be sewn into the wrong person. There's an affair. You cheat on your spouse. You end up getting a divorce. And you start the process all over again. We chalk up the failed relationship to, well, must not have been the right person. But that won't happen to me. And that won't happen to you. Except that 54% of marriages end in divorce. But pastor, you don't know. Our love is unique. Listen, when you have people that buy into this flawed process, you end up with some problems. And the process that the world says we should go through is different than what the Bible says we should go through. And, and I, I want to I challenge you, and I know that everything in the world says do it this one way. But it's not working. The stats show that it's not working. And, and so I, I want to present, present to you another way to look at your marriage and your relationship. And, and, and if you don't agree with me, wrestle through it, think through it, pray through it. Read your Bible. I, I just I want to present another option for you. Because everywhere you look, they're showing you this option. You've got to test drive the car before you drive it. You've got to try the pairs of shoes on before you buy them. You've got to run through the gamut of checking if every aspect of the relationship works before you commit to it. But in the process, what happens is you go from test drive to test drive to test drive to test drive. And whether that's a physical, sexual test drive or that's a relational test drive, or an emotional test drive. You jump from person to person to person, trying over and over and over and over and over again. At the end, you just have a used car. And I want to spare your soul, and spare your heart and your emotions, and say that there's a different way to approach marriage, and there's a different way to approach relationships in this world. It doesn't have to be this way. Our culture doesn't promote healthy relationships. 
And it's not because they don't believe in them. They don't promote healthy relationships because that doesn't sell. You know why there's not a reality TV show about my life and my marriage? Because it's awesome for me and Amber. It'd be boring to watch on TV. It'd be incredibly boring to watch. Hey, babe, how was your day? It was awesome. I love you. I love you too. People would be like, yawn, change channel. I want to find some housewives, some real housewife drama. Those chicks are crazy. Crazy. I don't know how the, those people exist. That can't be real. And so, like, like, you know, these guys are drama. That's fun to watch. That's like, oh, that's exciting. You know what? A stable relationship is not exciting material for a TV or a, TV, or a movie. It's just, it's just not. You got to have tension and you got to have um, angst and you got to have problems and you got to resolve those problems. And, and if you have a stable relationship, you don't have all of that. So, what are you going to, how else are you going to learn? Because we're all learning right now the wrong way. We're watching pop culture. Maybe for you, you had parents that modeled a great relationship, and maybe you have somebody to look at and say, okay, I see some, some ways that we can do it. Maybe you were in a group in a home where your parents had a terrible relationship. Maybe now you know what not to do. But, but how else are you going to learn? How else are you going to do it? If you believe that you meet the right person, you'll be happy, you're buying into the lie. So much time is dedicated to finding the one. If I can just find the one. If I can just find the one. I found the one. And I want to tell you the one's not Amber. <gasps> Amber's my number two. Because my number one is God. I found Jesus and he has set me free. And here's what I know is that if you, if you put your spouse on the pedestal of being the number one person in your life, you're expecting things out of them that they will never be able to provide. You will not find your healing in your soul from another person. You have, let's be real, you have drama and trauma in your life. You got issues, I got issues, we have baggage, and your spouse is not your therapist, and your spouse is not designed to help you process your baggage. Come on. People who've been married for a long time are like, yep. <laughs> you have to get somebody else that is your life source in your life, some other person that's going to bring healing into your soul, something else. I'm telling you that if you don't make God number one in your life, it will mess up your marriage. You've got to get your priorities correct. And your spouse needs to be number two. And they need to know it, that they're number two. God's number one, you're number two. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 says this, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. If you are hoping to get married, what you need to do is say that I will seek the one while preparing for my two. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. You need to become the person that you're looking for is looking for. But I want a godly woman who loves God and, and wants to pray and, and, has, and, and really puts God first in her life. And that's what you're looking for. 
But are you running around to the bars and drinking and partying with your friends? Because I can guarantee you the one that you're looking for isn't looking for that. So when you say, God, I, what am I looking for? Can I be the one that what I'm looking for is looking for? The promise is this, the promise of priority. I promise that God will be my first priority and my spouse will be my second priority. When God made Adam, he realized there was not a suitable helper for him, put him in deep sleep, took a rib and formed woman. The first relationship is with God. The second relationship is with your spouse. It's modeled all through scripture. God is one and spouses two. If you make your spouse number one, you're asking them to do something that they just can't do. You'll fall into the trap of idolizing them and subsequently demonizing them. The things that you saw an asset in the beginning will be a liability in the end. What? Well, yeah. You know how it is. You're dating and, and you're like, man, this guy is awesome. He's laid back. He's easygoing. He's like calming presence. I just feel so safe around him. He's just, I just like, you know. A year into the marriage, this guy is so lazy. <laughs> he won't get off the couch. He doesn't lift a finger. He doesn't do anything around here. Oh, no, he was laid back and chill. <laughs> and these guys, you're like, I love this girl. She knows where she's going in life. She has some purpose and some direction. Like, like she takes charge and she's got control and she's doing this great thing. Wow, she's so driven and motivated. A year into life, you're like, this crazy witch chokes the life out of everything. <laughs> she controls me all the time. If you put your spouse in number one, instead of God in number one, you will start to resent your spouse for not completing the things that you are expecting of them. And that will undermine your relationship and your marriage. The opposite can happen too. Where they slip from number two to number three or four or five. You can slip your spouse into a lower priority. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, says that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Man leaves. He leaves his father and his mother. No one likes a mama's boy. <laughs> I don't care who you are. If your mom or your mother-in-law is in the middle of your relationship, you've got to fix that now. You have to. And if it's your mom, it's your responsibility. Don't make your spouse take care of the mother-in-law problem. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm just saying. I'm stepping on toes this morning. Someone's like, hey, yeah. Leaves, leaves. It means loosen or relinquish. Your, your spouse shouldn't be your third, your third priority either. Don't put your parents in the middle of your relationship. When you're dating, when you first get married, you have to set your priorities in the beginning. Because there's a lot of demands, there's a lot of things. And if you don't take care of this on the front side of God number one, spouse number two, everything else comes after that. Your parents have been involved in your life 
in an intimate way up to this point. They may or may not understand that they've just been replaced in the hierarchy of things. You may have to set some boundaries and some rules. There's a lot of good things that become the second priority in our life that compete for that space. In the beginning, it might be parents, it might be friends, it might be other things. You start having kids, kids are a great thing. But they can slip up and become the number two priority in your family and in your life. Well, shouldn't they be? No. No, they should not be higher ranking than your spouse. Why do so many people get divorced in their 40s and 50s after being married for 20 years? Because they started having kids. Their kids slipped from the third spot to the second spot. The whole life revolves around the kids. And you're raising kids and you're focused on the kids. And the kids are wonderful. And I'm not saying don't do good things for your kids. But you've got to keep it in check. Because what happens then is eventually the kids leave the house. And they graduate high school. And they, they head off to college. And then you're sitting down at a dinner table across the table from somebody that you've been with for 20 years. And you look at them and, the, and you're like, I don't even like you anymore. Because you drifted apart for 20 years and the kids covered up the gap. And then they're gone and you're like, well, now what do I do? I have the opportunity as a pastor to be on the front lines for people's lives, even in very personal moments. One such personal moment is when people pass away when they die. I've had the privilege of praying with people while they're in their last days, counseling with people in their last days. I got to tell you, they kind of all talk about the same things. They talk about their relationship with God and where they're going after this life. And they talk about their relationships with their family. I've never heard, man, I wish I'd gotten those granite countertops. Golly, I should have bought that Corvette when I had the chance. Wish I'd got the house with the taller ceilings. Listen, I'll be honest with you. When Amber and I first started having kids, the priority thing was a real fight. It was a struggle. We had to work through that. Well, wait a minute. Like, how do you keep your spouse at number two in the middle of having kids? Because it's so easy for your kids to slide into that spot and your whole world can revolve around them. Come home from work. Mama needs a break. She's been with the little rugrats all day long. They've grown up into beautiful young ladies, by the way. Um, <laughs> but at the time, they were very demanding on the time. When they're little, they take a lot. You got to cook for them and clean and feed them and wipe diapers and do all. I mean, it's a lot of work. Mama's been working hard on the kids all day long. I've been working hard at work all day long. I come home. She needs a break. I need a break. Throw them in the room, lock the door, we're good. <laughs> no. Maybe. But you work hard, and then you're tired, and then you, you come home, and then what it is, you're now working with the kids, and you get the kids fed and bathed, and, and you finally get them put to bed, and, and they finally, like you think you get them asleep, but then they wake back up, and there's like a back and a forth, and a back and a forth, and then you finally get them to sleep, and it's like 9.30 at night, and you're exhausted because you haven't had a full night's sleep in like months, and so you finally, like, by the time you put them to bed, you're going to bed. There's no real relationship building opportunities there because you're just 
running hard, keeping care of the kids, you fall asleep. And guess what? Every two hours, mama, dada, somebody gets up, wakes you up. And then you wake up sleep deprived the next morning to start it all over again. I started to get jealous. I got jealous of my kids getting the best of my wife. And I don't know, Amber might have felt the same about me. Sometimes we think of jealousy as bad, but jealousy isn't always bad. Depends what you do with it, I guess. But I got jealous. You know, the Bible talks a lot about how God is a jealous God. And he is jealous of your time and your affection and, and your attention. Are we, are we like putting God down on level four or five in our priority list? Because it can happen so easy. It really can. I thought, well, I should be before the kids. I should be before your friends. I should be before your family. I should be before everything. I should be your number two. How do you do that? How do you do that? That is so tough when you have little ones. How do you do that? You got to be super intentional. If you right now have kids at home and you can feel that the kids have now usurped the position and they're at number two, fix it. Be intentional. Make a change. Put something into place. Guess what? When I come home when they're little, daddy, they come running in. I give them all a little bit of hug and I'm like, no, no, no. First kiss goes to mama. First kiss goes to mama. Right? Here's what happens is when you prioritize your spouse over your kids in your family dynamic, you model for them what a healthy relationship looks like. In fact, the best thing for your kids is a healthy marriage. We live in a world right now, this is free, this isn't even in my notes, um, but we live in a world right now where we are, there's a lot of talk on privilege, right? Like, like culturally, there's a lot of like, well, you have this kind of privilege. Maybe it's, it's a white privilege. Maybe it's this privilege or that privilege. Statistically, if you look, the most privileged people in our culture are kids that are growing up in a home with a mom and a dad. Across the board, across the board, financially, they do better in life. Academically, they do better when, when they have both parents in the home, which means this. If you want the best thing for your kids, invest in your spouse and keep them in the number two position. Because when you do it, you're short-sighted and you're going to actually disrupt the flow of things in the house. You want your spouse relationship to be so strong that it actually trickles down and helps your kids to have a fantastic foundation for life. It isn't just about you and your spouse. It's also about your kids and you've got to think about them. If the band would come, I'm actually going to wrap up. You see... I thought I should be before the kids, I should be before friends. I don't know who needs to hear this one, but um, put your phone down. I don't care what's going on out there in the world. I don't, you're going to be checking emails or typing text messages. Put your phone down. Pay attention to your spouse. It's critical. Your phone could be in your number two position. Come on. Got real quiet real quick. See, the things that destroy most marriages actually aren't bad things. Most of the time they're good things and the priorities get out of whack and then the marriages fall apart. 
So, we've got to protect the priorities. We've got to protect the priorities. You've got to get practical. You have God first and then your spouse. When I come home, wife gets my attention first, then the kids. Spouse first, then kids. Now for us, we got out of our rut with the little ones with video games. I know, what? Hear me out, hear me out. We were in this funny rut and the kids were little and we're like, how do we break out of this? And we had this conversation of like, we feel like the kids are now coming up the, they've climbed the totem pole and they've replaced me and now we're, and both of us felt the same way that, that we've, wait, we've got to get our priorities back in line. How do we do intentional time together but we can't go anywhere because the kids are right over here asleep in the next room. So we put the kids to bed and we started playing video games together. It sounds, I know, totally lame and silly, um, unless you like video games. Then you're like, that's awesome. We played Lego Batman. That was our thing, the Lego Batman movie, or uh, game. We'd start playing that game and, and we'd actually laugh at each other, with each other. We would talk smack and, and it started kindling our relationship and bringing the temperature back up again started bringing like more intimacy, more communication, time, words, and actions sewed back into the relationship. And I'm not saying go buy a Nintendo and play video games. I mean, maybe, I don't, that's your thing, that's your thing. But what is your thing? Well, what is it that, that needs, you need to implement to get you back in the right priority? Maybe you need to start with just a conversation. And maybe that conversation happens today. And it could be simple. It could be like, you know what? I need to realign my priorities. I need to put God number one and you number two and the kids number three. And, and, I, and I've been, things have been slipping. Let's slip it back. We've been drifting. Maybe today's that guardrail where you kind of bounce off and you come back again. Get your stuff back in alignment so that you can have a long, healthy, happy marriage. Tem- children are a temporary assignment. Marriage is a lifetime commitment because the children will leave. And your spouse hopefully won't in the process. You want your children to succeed in marriage? Model it. It's funny, men have this natural desire um, to protect. There's like a protector that kind of rises up inside of men a lot of times. And, um, and you can see it throughout society. That's why militaries are typically made up of men, primarily. Some women have this instinct as well. It's not gender exclusive, but in general terms, men tend to want to protect. Someone breaks into my house, I'm ready. I got nunchucks. And firearms with lasers, so, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to die for those that I love. Men, you're ready to die for your family, aren't you? You're like, yeah, I will will sacrifice my life to protect those that I love. Listen, rather than being so focused on wanting, ready to die for them, how about we start living for them? Let's find ways to invest in our families, that men. The Bible talks about a man being a spiritual leader of his house. I would encourage you, take steps and actions, time, words, and actions. What can you do to start to cultivate a spiritual atmosphere in your home? It doesn't, doesn't take a lot, just a little bit. How about you just pray before your meal and you lead the prayer? Maybe you encourage one another with a little bit of scripture every now and then. Become a spiritual leader in your home. Your role to protect, your role is to protect the priorities. I really think this. I think, I, think, I think the man's role is to be a leader in his household. And so many times it's easy for men to kind of sit back and be like, well, 
The house is the women's domain. I'm an ATM machine. I make money, they spend it. And you are an ATM machine too, just so you know. But you should be the leader of your house as well. Protect the priorities. Make sure that your priorities are set in your household the way that they need to be set. Lay down your life for two things. You lay down your life for Christ and you lay down your life for your spouse. In Ephesians 5, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Jesus loved the church and gave himself up for her. So how do you do it? It looks like this. You're leading in prayer. How about, how about if you want to be the leader, the spiritual leader in your house, hey, family, we're going to church and we're going to be on time. Hey, we, we're going to join a small group. I don't like the small groups that are listed. Oh, maybe I'll start a small group. Be a leader in your relationship. Take time to talk, time to take, make a date night. Get away. Maybe that's something that both of you could do. Take leadership in the idea of making the priorities right so that your relationship will thrive. I can't afford to get away. Yeah, you can. You can't afford not to. Well, I can't afford to. You're thinking about going to the Hyatt Tamaya and like dropping some like a G out on there trying to like, no, 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 no. Go take a tent get a campsite you don't have a tent borrow a tent you friends with tents like you can't afford not to it's easy to make excuses but I want to encourage you this to promise that God will be your first priority and your spouse will be your second make God your first priority and make your spouse your second you got to protect your priorities at any cost we stand with me? I want to pray over you as the worship team is going to come and lead us in a final song this morning. I really, I really believe that, that God has blessed me and my family and given us some insight and some freedom. He's given me a, a, almost a, a spiritual anointing to pray for people with troubled marriages. And, um, and I believe that today, if you're in a troubled spot, um, I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. We also have prayer teams that will be on either side of the auditorium that um, we want to pray with you for any reason whatsoever. Um, if you feel comfortable, would you just raise your hands as if you're going to receive. Heavenly Father, God, we, we, we commit today to prioritizing our life. We, God, we commit today to intentionally putting you in number one. And for those of us that are married, God, that, that you would... Help us prioritize putting our spouse at number two. God, give us, give us wisdom. God, I pray that you would give everyone here wisdom and clarity and insight into what it is um, and the methods we can do, things we can say, things we need to start, things we need to stop. God, help us to have a clear vision for what it looks like to prioritize our relationship. God, I pray for those marriages that are, that are struggling, that, that, that God, I pray that you would stir the hearts of, of both sides of that marriage that, that, God, they would both be committed to making it work. They would both be committed to getting their priorities right and getting, getting their marriage in alignment so that they can be truly blessed and live a blessed life. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, this morning, um, our prayer team was praying ahead of time, and I, I popped in and I would say, hey, what are you guys hearing? 
What are you guys hearing from the Lord today? And, and they always give me a list and I always share this list because I, I believe that God is working miracles in our church. We actually see it on a regular basis of, of marriages that get restored and people's lives that get healed and emotions that get, um, that we find healing in people's hearts, even physical healing from time to time happens inside of our church. And so I like to at least declare this. And if this is you, I want you to know that people have been praying for you and that God has actually already put you on their heart, even though they don't even know who you are. I don't know who you are. But here's a list of things that they were hearing, that there was somebody here that has a deep father wound where their father did something to them and God wants to bring healing into your heart. This was fun. I, they felt like maybe somebody had a farm accident with a, like a cow or a horse and maybe that there was some physical something they were struggling with over the years and God wants to bring physical healing to your body over whatever that was. And there was somebody here that um, maybe you're, you have some sadness and hopelessness and, and, and they quote, they felt like the words were feeling like the ax is going to fall. That means something to you. And then there was another one that said somebody here suffered a profound loss and that Jesus is their bridegroom. That might mean something to somebody here as well. So, so here's what we're going to do is whether you need prayer, whether that spoke to you on that list or whether um, whether there's something else that you need prayer for, we have prayer teams on either side of the stage. They want to pray with you. They came here fired up and ready to go and they have a ton of faith and they want to pray with you for whatever it is that you need prayer for. But um, what we're going to do is we're going to sing one last song um, as you guys are receiving prayer if you want it. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Your blood runs through our veins.